Welcome to the Find the Way podcast. In this show, we will try to explore what is happening in emerging markets and how entrepreneurs, investors, and communities are simply finding the way to make phenomenal things happen, regardless how volatile the environment may sometimes seem. And so you basically, you mentioned that I heard very quickly when I was fixing my microphone that originally from Australia now living in Ciudad de Mexico. Yeah. And how did you end up there? Uh, so I came to Mexico in 2000 uh, to work. I was working in the energy sector. So the company that I was working for um, asked me to come down to Mexico and head up the office for them. So, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up here. And uh, then I met my husband. And as they say, the rest is history. The rest is history. And then, and for Justin, you are based in Ecuador, in Quito, and 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 we met briefly in in Santa Cruz, in 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 Bolivia, in August. And and can you can you share a little bit to Bautista as well? Like, how did you end up in in Ecuador, originally from the U.S. and then now living Please in do. Ecuador? That's a change. Yes, yeah, so I've I've been in uh, living in Quito for for about five years now. Um, I ended up uh, being attracted to Latin America as I was in sort of the process of transitioning my career from the traditional finance uh, world to uh, to really interested in getting into uh, impact investing and, and, and uh, supporting entrepreneurs uh, in, in the developing world. I spent some time in West Africa and I was interested in what was going on in the ecosystem in Latin America and, uh, and ended up in Ecuador through, um, through Impacto. Uh, met uh, Daniela and, and Michelle, the co-founders of Impacto, loved what they were doing. They, they gave me a job offer. I moved to Quito uh, and, and have been, been here ever since. How long have you been living in Ecuador? About five years. Five years. So it, it's not that bad. Otherwise, you would have left already. So you must somewhat like what you're doing. Well, I'd be, you, you've made it to Ecuador on your, uh, on your world visits, right? Not yet. Actually, this is one of the only countries in the, in Latin America that I have not really explored yet. I still need to come. Well, yeah, we, we're we're waiting when you when you come to visit. And Ecuador is a, a beautiful country, and there's a lot of interesting things going on, and and, and a thriving ecosystem. So I was very happy here. Absolutely, absolutely. But hey, it's great to have you both in the show today. You know, you, you've been spending quite a bit of time, in and your expertise within the field is going to be super, super fascinating. I think that. This topic is becoming extremely relevant to what we're going to talk today, especially because you have you, you're a very guided impact fund that you are managing, and now in our um, exploration of Latin America in the past a little bit over a year, we have seen a big transition now that everybody seems to be talking about that they are impact investors. I don't know what has happened. Has it been that in a way that they have been the traditional VCs in the region have been returning worse to their LPs than expected? And now, in order to keep their jobs, everybody's transitioning to become an impact fund. So in this sense, I think it's going to be super cool to talk to you on, on this matter is that what do you see as impact overall? Because now it's all around the world. It's overhyped. It creates crazy amounts of confusion. And now all the LPs that we're looking and talking to who are investing in the fund managers of Latin America they are also confused that how do people differentiate? Everybody is coming with the narrative of, hey, we're we're generating the positive impact. So I think that this would be a natural starting point to go into this question to you is that what is impact for you? And 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 you are utilizing 
financial vehicles to generate impact and what that is in the region. If, if Anna, if you would be able to start a little bit and then we go for Justin. So what is impact for you? Yeah, so, I mean, great question. And I think that, uh, you know, what is impact is something that is very personal. And so when people are looking at, uh, you know, generating impact, they need to think, okay, what is that impact they want to generate? Because any investment has impact. It might be positive or negative. Uh, so at um, the fund that uh, I started is called Amplifica. Um, so in our, uh, we have our first fund. And for us at Amplifica, our primary impact is gender. So what we're looking to do is to increase the participation of women in venture capital in Latin America, both as um, investors and as uh, entrepreneurs, you know, the people that we, we finance. And that's what's our main driver. Uh, beyond that, you know, we do analyze the impact that each of our portfolio company has, and we looked that they be, um, you know, aligned with the uh, sustainable de development goals. And we also use our methodology from the um, impact management project to, to analyze impact. But our primary impact is, uh, you know, increase the participation of women. And um, what we are looking to, and our message is that we don't see returns and impact as being trade-offs. We look to, as our businesses grow and they produce you know, better financial returns, their impact will also uh, increase. And so I found that really interesting, uh, the comment you made, Eric, that you're seeing you know, in Latin America everyone call themselves impact funds and is that because you know, they didn't return you know, with enough returns and so that they're now saying, okay, we'll call ourselves an impact fund. I don't see that trend. I've actually seen it you know, the other way around. Uh, some funds that mm -hmm. started off as impact funds and uh, couldn't you know, generate the return that they and their um, investors were expecting and so tried to pivot to be more mainstream, um, uh, there's a lot of controversy around, you know, what is impact, the wording around that. Um, so it's great that you're using this call to dig in more to that. And we added on to what, what Hannah was saying, uh, maybe starting with what what's going on in, in the ecosystem. And I definitely agree with you, Eric, that you're hearing the word impact uh, a lot more from all different types of investors. And I don't think anything's actually changed. I think what's changed is uh, it's a narrative change in how uh, investors are choosing to describe what they're doing. So if you look at the reality of the Latin America startup and venture capital market, uh, there's a lot of impact uh, inherent to what's being, the problems being solved in the end, entrepreneurs are solving problems. And a lot of the large problems that exist in Latin America are problems uh, uh, of basic services and uh, access to uh, finance and things like that. You look at the top sectors, that receive uh, investment in Latin America. FinTech, financial inclusion, is, is a huge uh, theme and a huge need in Latin America. Uh, health tech is one of the top uh, sectors. Clim climate tech and ag tech are two of the fastest growing sectors, which inherently uh, also generate impact. And so the reality of, um, of the, what the problems uh, the Latin American startups are solving is, is impactful. Um, we could probably have a separate debate whether what the uh, what venture capital is funding in the U.S. and uh, you know AI and what what the impact is of that and and, and that's less relevant. But the middle class and the you know the 
the problems of the base of the pyramid or what a lot of startups in Latin America are solving. So I think what's happening is that traditional venture capital investors are starting to adopt uh, some of the narrative of impact, um, not necessarily changing what they're doing. I think that's that's positive. Mm-hmm. That we're all realizing that there's impact in, in the ecosystem. And specifically for us, so uh, so I'm managing partner of, of Impacto Capital uh, together with my my uh, partner, Michelle Arevalo Carpenter. Uh, we, we co-founded Impacto Capital. We're an impact in, uh, fund uh, and we have a specific definition of impact. And as, as Anna said, there's a lot of different definitions of impact. We're looking for companies that are benefiting vulnerable communities in some way through uh, their business models. Um, and that's kind of on the social impact side. M- most of the time, vulnerable communities mean, uh, mean uh, based the pyramid populations, uh, but it could be other uh, other vulnerable communities. And then we also include environmental impact uh, as, as one of the, the impacts that we're looking for. And that's companies that are solving climate change or contributing to, uh, to, to, to avoiding climate problems and and other things like that. And so that's where we're particularly focused uh, in, in this impact world. And do you have any, any specific examples on that, Justin? Is that, for instance, on the social impact that you're looking for, what type of companies are, what, what, what are they doing in terms of social impact? Um, what have you been sourcing and, and what type of deals have you been investigating a little deeper? Sure, I'm happy to give, give examples. Uh, I mean, a great example from our portfolio is a company called Tiberasso. Uh, they're, um, they're, they're based in, in Colombia and they're focused on providing, uh, internet to poor urban, uh, communities where the traditional internet providers uh, aren't providing access. Um, and mm-hmm. so they're providing them with the top reliable, um, uh, service fiber optic, uh, fiber optic internet to the home, uh, which is much cheaper and has, uh, much higher limits than using internet on their phone, um, and allowing these poor families to have access to internet. Uh, with no contracts and uh, pay-as-you-go flexible plans, which match also the variability of income that that um, that poor populations tend to have, has an amazing impact in terms of allowing uh, their children to be able to do their homework, allowing adults to be, to be able to uh, to work work remotely, um, and all the other things that the con- connectivity provides us. So that's a great example of a company providing basic services uh, to a vulnerable community and generating an impact yeah. through that. And also is uh, a you know very solid business that that's scalable uh, as well, which I think is important. That when we talk about impact investing, we're talking uh, about impact that's directly tied to a scalable, uh, profitable business. I think here, Justin, what you mentioned is is very clarifying because some people, when they look at impact investing, especially when they don't know anything about it, they think it's mostly charity work, uh, but. Clearly, it's not. I mean, you're putting your money there because you think that it's aligned with returns or even greater returns than usually. Is that the case? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you if you look at the impact investing sector, the people talk about a spectrum of impact and return, and there are funds that are uh, intentionally sacrificing return to invest in uh, companies that otherwise wouldn't be able to get. Uh, to get investment because they're higher risk for for whatever reason, and they and their that those funds and their investors are very conscious about what that sacrifice is and how they're uh, focusing on in, in that case prioritizing impact over return. That's one side of the spectrum. Um, the other side of the spectrum, and 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 where a lot of us who are more in the the impact startup space are playing, is we see impact and return uh, that we see don't see a trade off between impact and return. Um, we think that solving uh, problems that are inherently uh, impactful in Latin America is a huge business opportunity. 
And and then for both of you guys is that uh, I believe your LPs are giving you money based on this impact that you are generating with these theses. How are you measuring this impact? Is it, do you have any specific methods, metrics that you're using? Uh, how are you going around it? Uh, yeah, so sure. Uh, we use um, two different frameworks and you know, we look at um, different metrics uh, aligned with the sustainable development goals. And so we measure that for the you know, different metrics for each portfolio companies. Um, and then we also use the um, impact uh, management project framework uh, to uh, measure impact. Um, so we do that at the portfolio company level and we also do it at, at the fund level. So that's uh, important for us. But um, so I think, you know, when we think about, when we think about impact, I think something that's very important is the measurement. And so when you think of investing in Latin America, I think, you know, Justin is spot on. He's, you know, investing in uh, startups in Latin America, it's inherently impactful because of the problems that we are all seeking to solve. And I would say that probably the difference between, you know, a, 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 you know, a lot of the other funds out there than the funds that, you know, Justin and I are involved in is the fact that we actually, you know, intentionally measure that impact rather than, you know, just have it through the investing. Yeah. And are, Anna, are you able to give a little bit, just on a fund level, you, you talk about frameworks that you're utilizing on a portfolio from your portfolio companies, how to measure impact. Can you give a little example, like more clarifying examples? What does that measurement look like? What are the variables that you're looking into on a fund level for your, you, you that, 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 how do you measure that? Can you just clarify a little like, bit to the audience? Yeah, sure. So from a fund level, it's very, you know, basic, um, our, you know, focus is investing in women. So, you know, it's, uh, the first thing we look for when we invest in companies is to have, uh, women as founders. So, you know, that's either there are or they aren't. Um, so that, so that's one thing that we measure, you know, do we have, um, female entrepreneurs uh, on, on the cap table? Uh, and then beyond that, um, we look do the companies actually serve the needs of women? So in our portfolio now, we have 18 investments and 18 of those companies have female founders. Sorry, 17 of them have female founders. One does not, but it still meets uh, with our gender thesis because that particular company um, is focused on sexual health and 80% of their clients are women and 90% of their workforce of women. So we go, um, when we think about uh, the impact on gender, we look at it at, at different kinds of levels. We also look at the, um, the supply chain of the fund, you know, our service providers, for example, you know, when we were looking for uh, law firms, you know, we'd work with law firms where they have also female partners. So we want to be consistent throughout our uh, supply chain. And it's something yeah. that we scout providers, you know, those kind of things. So that's, a, that's at a fund level. Um, and then at a portfolio company level, you know, to be more specific, you know, each of the sustainable development goals has different, you know, criteria and uh, measurement mm -hmm. points. So every portfolio company, we talk with a portfolio company, okay, um, you may contribute to the various um, sustainable development goals, but which one is the one you most identify with and what data are you collecting? Uh, sometimes they're, you know, collecting many indicators 
um, sometimes collect, are collecting none. Um, we help to make sure they're collecting, you know, at least one uh, per portfolio company. Um, so that's something that's quite, you know, simple to measure. And then the impact management project, you know, uses a different um, framework. It talks about, you know, avoiding harm, uh, con contributing to solutions. So it's got an ABC framework, which also, you know, is, is quite useful for us when we look at the whole portfolio and how does it, um, does it contribute to driving positive impact. Absolutely. And, and and over there, are you both, Justin and Anna, um, requiring your portfolio companies to update these on a quarterly basis or whatnot, that you're able to get this good dashboard overview of what type of impact they're generating? Or how do you keep track on on on, on this? Yeah, we require our portfolio companies to report uh, quarterly, like like any any fund uh, does in terms of business metrics. Um, and along with that, you know, we, we have them report impact metrics. Um, we, they're reporting as quarterly. There's certain metrics that are uh, harder to measure quarterly. And, and in, th in that case, we have them report those particular metrics uh, annually. We generally have each company report between two and five impact metrics that we work with them to establish uh, at, at the time that we make the investment. Yeah, for you, the same thing or does it deviate? Yes. Yeah, very similar, yes. Very similar. And then overall, like, here, how do you see then impact investing in in Latin America overall? Because if we look at folks, I'm originally from Finland, Northern Europe, has uh, been spending most of my time before I started my Latin American exploration journey um, in 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 the Western world, so to speak. And a lot of folks, when they look at emerging markets, Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia, a lot of people think that every investment that they funnel into the region can be considered as impact investing. These are family offices, angels, um, larger institutions, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see this? You are, you have been operating in the game within Latin America for, for quite a while. Is this, is this, is it all impact or do you, how, what do you think about this? I think it's a challenging question uh, because, you know, there, there are different, impact frameworks can be used. Um, you know, I would say, you know, not all investment is impact. Um, had not all investment has positive, you know, net positive impact. Um, and I also think that actually a lot of the investors who are investing in, in, in Latin America um, do not consider themselves to be impact. I would say most investors do not, you know, when there's investors that I speak to. Um, you know, as, you know, Justin mentioned, you know, the narrative has been changing and, uh, you know, I think it's something that has to be analyzed on a case by case basis. Um, you know, there are very large Im infrastructure projects, for example, and on the one hand, you know, they're, con they're connecting communities, they are enhancing, um, you know, productivity, um, they are providing uh, employment opportunities through this connectivity, uh, but on the other hand, that you know causing you know, great uh, you know environmental destruction. So you know everything has to be looked at very carefully, and I don't think that's a way to say that you know, everything can be impact or not impact. I think it's quite complex. Yeah, I think um, the 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 Global Impact Investing Network, which uh, is a nonprofit that sort of oversees. Uh, collects a lot of the data around impact investing globally and, and kind of some of the definitions. 
and, and they have some certain definitions around what makes an impact investment uh, an impact investment. And it's not just that the company or the asset that is invested in is generating a positive impact. Um, there's two uh, topics that we've, we've already touched on. One is intentionality, meaning that you're intentionally investing in that company because it generates impact. And that's one of your criteria. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other is measure, measurement. Uh, and I, it's, if, if there's not some amount of measure, some measurement going on, it can be very basic measurement, one impact metric, but if there's not a uh, measurement required around that uh, investment, and if a fund is not reporting impact metrics to its LPs, um, it's not a true impact fund. Uh, so there's, I think those are key, key elements to, to take into account. And I think there's also a direct and indirect uh, impact. Um, yep. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of startups that are, are making industries more efficient. And um, that has a knock on, positive knock on uh, effects for the entire Latin American economy. Um, but they probably wouldn't fit with our impact criteria because we are looking for companies that have, uh, are directly benefiting uh, poor, vulnerable communities or poor populations. Um, yeah. So I have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs whose uh, users are mostly upper middle class people. And they say, well, I'm, I'm having an amazing positive impact on the industry and on, on my users. And that's true. And I'm not, I would never say that they are not generating a positive impact, but our criteria uh, for, for impact of capital specifically is that we're looking for impact being generated uh, in a certain, certain population uh, in poor, poorer communities. And so a company like that wouldn't uh, fit our, our impact framework. And, and a question for you, both of you guys here as well is just to understand how far does it go. So imagine you invest now in a company that fulfills your criteria, uh, but after a year, they need a follow-on investment. Their returns are not as you expected, but they're still compliant with this criteria or even more so than they did before. Would they receive a follow-on investment or is their performance a uh, defining factor as well? Just a quick, like a little follow on this is that you have both your impact measurement um, variables that you're tracking on a quarterly or on an annual basis. Um, if those are top notch going off the charts, but at the same time, the financial KPIs are not quite on, on par. Is that going to be a problem for your follow on runs? So what we're looking to is to generate excellent returns for our investors. Uh, our thesis is that, you know, investing in women will uh, allow us to generate excellent returns. And so we're not going to invest in a company that, or do a follow-on if the company's not meeting their financial objectives, just because they are generating um, excellent impact. We need to have them doing both. Um, that's our you know, investment mandate. We, we we see the world similar way. And I think uh, it's important to remember that the, the the logic around impact investing is that investing in companies that have a generating impact that's directly linked to their business model and scales with their business is uh, really uh, can can make, can make amazing changes in the world. And so, uh, if a company is generating really great impact but not growing, their impact isn't growing either. Um, not uh, just a financial consideration, it's an impact consideration. So the companies that are able to, to scale the most uh, with that impact that's directly tied to their business model and their revenue, uh, those are the companies that are going to be the most most impactful as well. So there's really actually alignment uh, between the impact objectives and the financial objectives in that sense. 
True in that, but the counter argument goes into that that one of the 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 greatest hailed company in Latin America, Rappi from Colombia, is that well they argue that the impact that they have generated in terms of providing that little beacon of light of for for becoming an entrepreneur, providing a lot of jobs into people, et cetera, et cetera, the the impact has been tremendous on those metrics. But then the financial returns for everybody who joined pretty much on round seed and, and beyond have been losing money. I don't think they will ever make money. Don't take my word on this. But the reality is that maybe if you did not make a secondary exit as a founder or like very early angel, most of the investors are losing money on that case. And that has been hailed as the number one remarkable company in Latin America. So on these senses is, is ways that, yes, you know, they, 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 they keep providing employment. They keep providing hope. A lot of people are creating these rapi mafias. Yes, entrepreneurship grows. The impact is going to be fantastic for the region, but the, the, the investors are losing money. It's as simple as that. So in, in that sense, it's a very, very intriguing topic overall that sometimes you can generate a humongous impact, but at the same time, the investors are losing money. What are your thoughts on that? And do you see this happening in Latin America overall, like and, and your portfolio companies, how are, are they now in trouble? Are they in trouble because of the funding landscape has changed quite a bit in the whole world, but especially in Latin America? It's everything has basically dried up. A lot of the funds who have been investing and been very uh, active investors in the region, they simply have no money to invest in on follow on rounds. What are you seeing on this? Well, Eric, you've asked a lot of questions in that one question there. So, I mean, I know it, I it's like overall, <laughs> you know, I think what's true about, you know, uh, venture is it's, you know, inherently, uh, you know, risky, um, industry, you know, it's a risky investment, but so we see some, you know, uh, probably companies, uh, some players in the region doing really, really well, and they've made a lot of money for their investors. And, you know, obviously a lot of them are not going to do so well. So, you know, that's kind of the nature of the, of the yeah. industry, uh, you know, and the power law dynamics. Uh, so, but, and, and what I have seen uh, in the current environment, uh, that funding is starting to pick up. We're seeing more and more activity. Uh, Q4 has been a lot more active than what I had expected and, and a lot more active than, than Q3. Uh, we are seeing, uh, you know, our portfolio companies, um, the ones that have strong metrics and growth have been able to raise uh, capital successfully this year. You know, and obviously, you know, any portfolio you have uh, a mix of, excuse me, a mix of performance. And so some are not doing so well and some are doing you know, really well, what you could expect across any portfolio. But uh, I don't see a doom and gloom yeah. scenario. They do see... Um, you know, things pe um, picking up and, and more capital becoming available precisely because there are great opportunities so out there. So there is hope. I mean, yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. any, you know that uh, any economy goes through cycles and we've been going through a cycle and what comes, what goes up has to come down at some point. Um, and now we're seeing things, you know, re, um, you know correct back to, to more than the normality. I think on, on, I would maybe first comment on, on your, your first reflection. I think you have to remember impact investing is investing. And the definition of impact investing is looking for a financial return and generating impact. That mm -hmm. and is key. It's not or, it's and. And so uh, impact investors follow the same logic as any other investor from that sense uh, on, on, the, on the financial side with the additional um, 
impact criteria. And so your argument is fair and go talk to grant funder. I mean, grant funder and philanthropy by definition is not looking for a financial return. They're looking to generate impact. And so um, if if the narrative is kind of the narrative you laid out, uh, there's an opportunity, that's an opportunity. If there's a company that's, you won't make money investing it, but it's going to generate an impact, then there exists this type of capital that exists for that. And that's grant funding and, and philanthropy. But impact investing is looking for yeah. a financial return and an impact return. So I think that's, um, that's how I, I would view that, that first part. And on, on the second point, kind of what we're seeing in the environment, I think um, uh, one, one important distinction, we're, we're a little bit different from, from, from other funds. We're, uh, we're not equity investors. Uh, we invest through, through revenue-based financing, uh, which means we provide flexible, non-dilutive uh, capital to companies where they're, they're, they're paying back based on a percent of revenue that allows them to, uh, to scale the payments as, as the company scales. Um, and so uh, we're big believers that Venture capital is a uh, is a solution for a very specific type of company, and I think we saw in 2021 and 20, beginning of 2022 a lot of companies raising VC funding that probably shouldn't have, and those yeah. are a lot of the companies that that are in trouble because uh, both on the investor side and the founder side there was a little bit lost in terms of what kind of company should be raising VC and what kind of company should be looking for other types of uh, types of capital. Uh, and so we think that there needs to be a lot more options for different types of capital for for startups um, that uh, and then at startup the founders ask themselves the question what what type of capital should I raising am I a good fit for for a VC um, and I think that's the first step and that can help to avoid a lot of the problems that we've seen over the over the past couple of years uh, in, in in terms of companies that probably shouldn't have raised VC funding raising VC funding that those are a lot of the companies that are that are in trouble. Absolutely, absolutely, and and then if we take a look at over here um, again on on Latin American market, um, you have been talking about a little bit today about social and environmental impact. Um, what would you say that do you have more of the other? Do you have more social impact opportunities or environmental impact opportunities, investment opportunities? So I would I would say in our portfolio. Um, you know, generally, we see more opportunities uh, on the social side, although, you know, we actively look on the environmental side as well. Uh, I spent 20 years working in the energy sector, so, you know, have a very interest yeah. in, you know, uh, clean tech um, and that space. Uh, we have various portfolio companies that we see as, you know, um, positive environmental impact, and they have been mostly actually in the agricultural food tech space. Uh, but it, it is a space that we're mm. actively looking in. And I think that in the future, we'll see more and more uh, in the space because we're getting more interest from investors in the space. And also, you know, the challenges that we're all seeing with, uh, with climate change. Uh, and given the, you know, diverse uh, ecosystem that are present in Latin America, is something very, very important for, you know, the, the environment in Mexico, yeah. in Mexico throughout Latin America. So we expect to see more deal flow in that area. I, I agree with Anna. I think there's uh, there's more opportunities right now in, in uh, social impact side. Um, just just looking this week at the LAVCA, the Latin American Venture Capital Association released uh, some of the, the top 10 sectors uh, receiving investment over the last few years and and, and climate tech uh, only, be, only entered the top 10 in 2022. And 2023, I think it was number five, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of the, the fifth sector 
with, with most capital invested. So if we just look across Latin America, there's uh, a lot of growth in, in climate tech and companies that are, that are solving environmental problems. Uh, ag tech is also one of the fastest growing sectors. And there's uh, a lot of times in agriculture, there's both a social impact opportunity because a lot of the poorest people in Latin America are smallholder farmers and environmental opportunity uh, just because of the, the, the amount of land uh, that's, that's used for agriculture, water, water use, uh, et cetera. And so I think there'll be increasing pipeline on the environmental side over time. And over there on over time about the env environmental and climate change over, or overall, is it more, um, are you expecting more of a, a climate change mitigation or adaptation type of opportunities? I think there's both. Um, I, th I think there's, uh, there's we're, we're, we're seeing both. Um, we're, because we invest across uh, multiple sectors, um, we are seeing opportunities, a lot of opportunities on, on, on all different fronts, but we're seeing more and more companies uh, addressing climate change, both in terms of adaptation and, and mitigation. Yeah. Same for you, Anna, or? or... Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, you see, uh, I'll give an example of one of the companies we invested in. Um, it's a, a, a company called Compound Foods. Um, the entrepreneur is from Costa Rica. And she is, has developed a coffee alternative. So it's a, a beanless coffee. So you could see that both as adaptation and mitigation, because to the extent, um, you know, due to climate change, uh, there's, you know, less and less community, uh, land available for the production of coffee. Uh, but also the production of coffee, you know, is quite, um, you know, intensive in the use of, uh, land and water uh so you know you can also see that as mitigation um uh, that's you know one of the companies we've invested in uh, we've also invested in others that are developing you know alternative protein sources and, and things that i would see you know is more uh it, you know it's, it's a combination of mitigation and, and adaptation uh, we've invested in supply chain uh risk management uh companies and that is very much adaptation, you know, the, you know, the world's changing and we need to understand how we can uh, mitigate risk, you know, because of that. So we're seeing, you know, it's very much on, on both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then especially now towards Anna, for you, I, I think Justin, you can contribute to be in, in Latin America for a long enough time, but your main theme about investing in women entrepreneurs. I think this is an absolutely fascinating question. And if I if I can reflect a little bit over here, is that when I entered in Latin America, coming and I you know I grew up in 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 a Nordic bubble called Finland, where equality is in, in, on a, has been on a very very great level. It has been extremely shocking to travel throughout Latin America and see the big difference, even still today, in terms of how. Society expects men and women to behave, and I think this can pose challenges to find female entrepreneurs. You know, like in in, in more developed societies, you see not enough women entrepreneurs in tech, especially. But you still more and more compared to Latin America, and and, and overall here, if if I continue a little bit on this reflection, is that it, it it is very very odd to see that still men today, even younger generation do not necessarily expect women to enter the labor force at the same level, at least for a time being, yes, for, for certain roles, but still, it is culturally still very acceptable to 
have people at home. And that is a very different opinion for me or like a view for me that I've never really known back in Finland as stay-at-home moms. And here is still very, very present. So Anna, like overall these things, how do you see investing in, in, in women in, in Latin America? There is not as many female-led um, companies, especially in the tech sector, neither in the corporate sector. How is the landscape? I think a lot of the, the audience, especially in more more developed countries, would love to hear this because it's a very people don't really talk about it that much, even though it's very widely different. Yeah, no, it definitely is different. Um, you know, I think I was inspired to build Amplifinger based on what I'd seen in other countries, um, you know, like um, the US. Um, you know, mostly the US, seeing so many funds focused on on women and, but not just women as entrepreneurs, um, women as investors. And the drive for me has really been understanding that if we don't have women investing, we can't develop the technology that women need. Um, we don't, we won't envelop the technology that reflects the voice, the values and the needs of women. And, you know, I'll give you, you know, an example um, that's very clear to me. Uh, when, you, when you think about women's health and uh, you think about, you know, uh, sexual health, uh, we'd see, you know, billboards and advertising, you know, everywhere talking about, uh, you know, Viagra and other um, drugs, you know, for, you know, you know um, erectile dysfunction. But there's no discussion about, you know, the, the women's sexual health needs. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. that's just one small example, but it's very evident um, that, that, you know, the, the investment doesn't go, the discussion isn't there. Um, and so I think it's very important to, to drive more dollars into, um, you know, so technology that serves women. And if we don't have female investors, it's very hard to get that to happen. Uh, but then when you drill down to the, the situation in Latin America, uh, we often get this question, you know, uh, you know, does it make sense to have a fund focus on women? You know, will you have enough pipeline? Uh, well, you know, the industry out there is, you know, it's large. There's a lot of deal flow out there and we're not looking to invest, you know, in, in every deal. Uh, we typically see uh, around um, 20 deals per week that's either inflow or out, um, inbound or outbound. So either they come to us or we identify them. And uh, so we're investing in around 5% um, of the deal flow that we see. So we have, uh, you know, plenty of um, investment opportunities, but we, you know, we work hard at it. You know, we go out there and, uh, we go to demo days, um, you know, we, we look to, you know, we look for connections. We actively seek out, uh, female entrepreneurs, um, but that's part of our job as investors. So I, I often, uh, you know, go to events and people say to me, oh, Anna, you know, we just can't find any female entrepreneurs. And, uh, I think just like it's more challenging for female entrepreneurs, um, because of the society we live in, you know, the historical, cultural, societal n norms, 
um, yeah, it is more challenging for women to be entrepreneurs and it is more challenging for us as investors to, you know, to get out and, and identify them all, but it's part of our job. It's part of our, you know, our work. So I think as yeah. society as a whole, both men and women, if we want to get more women actively engaged and having influence, we all need to work together to make sure that happens. Yeah, and I would, I, would, uh, I mean, I, I think completely agree with everything Anna said. I mean, maybe adding a couple of things. One is I think the reality of, uh, of, of Latin America is that many of us who were not just investors were ecosystem builders uh, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done in building up the ecosystem, uh, whether that be you know re regionally focused uh, or focused on, on on female founders or focused on a particular sector. That you see a lot of funds that do a lot of ecosystem building work, and you know, Anna and the Amplifica team have done a lot of work in building up you know, having open pitch. Uh, pitch listening and feedback sessions for any female entrepreneur in, in Latin America, highlighting, you know, female led uh, startups that they're not necessarily invested in and social media and kind of this, this, this building up the uh, awareness of, of the issue. And I think we can all, you know, contribute to that um, impact of capital. We invest with a gender lens, um, which means we don't exclusively uh, invest in, in uh, female led uh, startups, but we're looking as part of our, our criteria and what we're evaluating, working with companies to improve at both at the leadership level in terms of employees and in terms of the, the beneficiaries uh, and the customers. Um, and then I think the other point that we can't forget is that while Latin America might have uh, unique cultural and societal challenges that, that the developed world doesn't have, if I'm not mistaken, in the US, the most developed venture capital market in the world, 2% of venture capital goes to startups that are have all female founding teams. So uh, it's not as if the developed world is, is doing particularly well in venture capital uh, industry and in, in gender equality. Uh, so I think it's a, just a challenge globally, not just in Latin America. Absolutely. And how do you see that, well, you are paving the way for these, these opportunities to exist um, for female founders, female-led companies to even exist and have an opportunity to, to test their products in the market. Um, have you seen now, Anna, you've been since 2000, early 2000s here over, over two decades and Justin for, for five years, are the times changing or what's going on? Okay. I mean, look, I would say the times are changing, but it's very, very slow. I mean, one of the things that, you know, was a, a kind of a call to action for me to start this fund was, was hearing, um, Melinda French Gates, you know, repeat the information that's been published by the World Economic Forum in terms of, okay, how many years is it going to take to reach gender parity? Uh, and in the U S that number, uh, back in 2018 was, it was, it was around 250 years. That's the U S. So, you know, you know, uh, Justin highlighted some, you know, key issues that you see, you know, worldwide and we've still got a long way to go. And, uh, you know, I do see things progressing. Yeah. I think, uh, there are, you know, Latin America has got very different countries, you know, within it in some countries are much further ahead, uh, than others. Uh, but, you know, thanks, uh, you know, Justin for the shout out, you know, we are doing things that. And we, at Plifica, we're doing things to really encourage women by trying to show success stories of other women in the media. So we know the importance of role models. And so when you see 
you know, women break barriers and do things that they didn't do traditionally. It helps break those social stereotypes that might be, you know, confining someone you know, to, to try something new. So I think that all of us by, you know, sharing success stories, it's all contributing to change. And things are changing, but they're changing a lot more slowly than what I would like. But that's not just in Mexico, Latin America, it's worldwide. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if we would take a look on, if you would be able to share some great success stories of impact investments here in Latin America, are you able to share some of your your top favorite, most intriguing cases in a way it doesn't need to be in your portfolio, but something that people would not be aware of, like successful, very, very successful impact investments made in Latin America and why? Yeah, and well, what does it mean to be successful as well in this case? True, good, good add-on, Bauti, over there. Uh, that's you. You you put us on this the spot here. I mean, one uh, I'll, I'll highlight one one success case uh, that um, that from 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 Peru. You know, we're not we're not investors, but but Creana, uh, which is an, an ed tech in, in Peru. Uh, it's a great example uh, of a company that's been very successful from a business perspective. Raised a Series B, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, recently, uh, and has a, you know, is having an impact in, in education, um, and in uh, workforce training, um, in a you know, broad, broad swath of society, but with a large chunk, um, being, uh, from, from low, lower income populations. Uh, and I think that's a great example. And I think the other, the point we haven't touched in, in Kriana's example of this is co-investing between impact funds and, and venture capital funds, kind of traditional venture capital funds. And, uh, we, in fact, capital have co-invest, uh, co-invested with, um, with traditional VC funds and with other impact investors, mm -hmm. um, Guyana is a success case. And I think the, the, the other success cases where it's companies that are farther along, um, that's where you really realize that success case is a company that's been very financially successful. It's gotten a good return for their investors and is generating impact. And that's where it's interesting to see these co-investments between, uh, impact funds and, uh, uh, and, and and mainstream BC funds. Yeah, so, I mean, as I've got the, the opportunity, I'm going to talk about a couple of the uh, portfolio companies that I have, and, and, you know, it's still very early stages. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's too early to say, you know, success. But for me, success means demonstrating, uh, you know, strong financial indicators, and tangible impact on either you know, the environment or people's lives. And so, you know, the first example that I would you know, like to use is one of our portfolio companies uh, called Colors. Now, they are doing transportation of people between cities and now most recently within cities in, in Mexico. The founders, you know, two extraordinary people, Rodrigo and Anka, they're a very highly complimentary team. You know, you think transportation is something very simple, but, you know, 80% of the people who use this kind of transportation are doing it because they've got to go to um, either some kind of work commitment or family commitment. So they're not doing it because, you know, there's, they're going on holidays. It, it's something, a very important service. And over 80% of these people do not have their own vehicle, right? So what they have done is... You know, using data analytics, uh, they have optimized routes. 
which sounds you know, very simple, but if you can optimize the route so that someone can get to their destination, you know, an hour more quickly, because rather than using, you know, the traditional bus terminals where no one wants to go, they've got alliances with um, shopping centers and hotels to do virtual stops. You know, that really improves the quality of people's lives because they're not, you know, wasting so much time that they don't need to be and they can get on with their day, uh, you know, you know uh, more, more quickly. But also by making these bus routes more efficient, you know, they reduce the amount of pollution, they reduce the, uh, the, you know, the carbon footprint. So, you know, to me, that is what I want to see in a successful inve investment. It shows, you know, a company that's, that's got strong growth, you know, strong financial indicators, but also both, has both social impact you know, and um, environmental impact. Um, another example from our uh, portfolio is a company called uh, Vercor. And uh, they have, you know, two excellent founders, um, Ugo and Valentina, and they are uh, providing credit to um, the agricultural, you know, farmers. And that is, you know, it, it's productive credit. So it, it's credit that allows them to buy uh, fertilizer. It allows them to uh, buy uh, seeds, uh, but it also gives them access, you know, to new technology and farming uh, techniques. So what they've seen is through providing that service, the uh, productivity of the farmer's has increased, you know, the yield has uh, increased. Uh, they have been able to adopt uh, more sustainable farming pr uh, uh, practices. And also, um, you know, a lot of those uh, farmers are very close to the po um, poverty line. So it's having a social and a, also a positive environmental impact. And, you know, they're still yeah. a very, very early stage at the moment, but, you know, they're showing uh, green shoots in terms of, you know, financial performance. And so, I mean, that's what I'm looking for, you know, when I, I want to, when I'm investing, you know, ideally, if you can have, you know, both that social and environmental impact and those, you know, strong financial returns, you know, that's, that's a winner, you know, all, you know, every day. Thanks for sharing on that. And then if we, you know, are you able to share a little bit on, on the state of impact investing in Latin America in terms of what are the current numbers? What are, what has been going on, um, in terms of how much money is coming into the region. There was a World Economic Forum article that was also in, in the Impact to Capital's website, is that impact investing has grown more than tenfold in a decade in Latin America to $25 billion. And are, is there a change on those numbers? How much is, let's say, are you expecting on an annual basis currently in terms of the money are being funneled? I know these are hard questions, but let's say a ballpark estimates um, so that the audience may have a glimpse. And then a second aspect, a second question over here is that where is this money coming from mainly? Sure. So um, as, as, as with any uh, statistics and, and, and data, there's different ways of looking at it in different, in different numbers. So that, that, that 25 billion number from Latin America was from an article that, that, uh, that my partner, Shell, and I uh, wrote for the World Economic Forum a couple of years ago. So that number has grown. And I actually think probably the better way to look at it, because that's from a different source, the better way to look at it, uh, the Global Impact Investing Network, which I mentioned, they're the ones who, who uh, measure the impact investing sector globally. Um, and they just this year uh, said that there's now over a trillion dollars in, in assets uh, in impact um, uh, globally. And, um, you know, that's 
with these requirements of intentionality and, you know, and, and measurement, uh, et cetera, that we, that we talked about. Um, and I think they, they break that down in, in their latest report. I don't remember, but they do break it down by geography in terms of the, the, the percentage. Um, and, and it would be in Latin America and, and, and the Caribbean. And I think that it's now significantly more than that $25 billion. I don't want to, don't want to say it, say a number that's, that's not right. Um, but, uh, but probably, probably closer to, to, to 50 to a hundred billion dollars. I, uh, I, I think, um, the, now that's impact investing is, is a very wide, includes a very wide range of types of investing. So we're talking about impact venture capital, impact investing in startups, but impact investing includes infrastructure investments. Yes. Uh, it includes private equity, includes venture capital, it includes real estate and things like, uh, like affordable housing. Um, and so, uh, there's a lot of, uh, impact money. And actually the first wave of impact investing in Latin America was, uh, funding microfinance institutions. Um, and, and that's still a big, big chunk of that. So just to give the context that we're not just talking about startups when we talk about that, that, that those numbers, but all that to say, we're seeing a lot of growth in the impact investing sector in, in Latin America, um, you know, across the, the different, different asset classes, um, as we open this conversation, talking about how there's more and more. Uh, funds uh, talking about impact, in, in particularly in, in venture capital and in the startup world, um, and so uh, I think you know that all is a positive trends and is something we'll continue to see and will continue to to grow in, in the future, and that's really good um, because that Latin America is not a market where we're competing uh, for deals for the most part uh, among the funds that are there, where where there's really a lack of capital uh, in particularly in the earlier stages um, where, where Anna and I are both both investing. And so we need more funds uh, that are investing in these companies. We need more funds with an impact focus and, and more capital to be uh, channeled to, to these entrepreneurs who are, who are solving big problems. Yeah. And, and, and is there like a ballpark estimate on from the total impact investing dollar that are coming into Latin America? Um, how much is in venture to do startups? And technology. I don't see an estimate there. I mean, the the estimate from LAFCA is that we're going to close 2023 with uh, somewhere between four and five billion dollars in in total uh, total venture capital in in Latin America. Um, and I, but I haven't seen any attempt to uh, to to quantify how much of that is from impact uh, investors. Remember, there's deals that a company announced around. Uh, you have to look at the list of investors because there's often a mix of impact investors and traditional venture yeah. capital funds there. So sometimes it's a little bit uh, hard to break it break it down. Absolutely. And where is the money then coming from? Let's say your LPPs, where where do they come from? Who is investing in, let's say now, if we narrow it down to venture, venture impact funds in Latin America? Okay, I'm happy to share a little bit there. Um, and, and I actually don't know, 100% sure, of, you know, where your audience is, but I'll just share a bit of you know, my experience. Um, uh, 60% of our investors, uh, actually 70% are from Mexico. Um, 60% of our investors are women and 70% of our investors are from Mexico. It's very unusual to have um, such a high percentage of women as investors in a fund. Um, typically, we've seen other funds where it's 5% or less. But that was something that's very important uh, to us. Um, so as I mentioned, 70% from Mexico, 10% uh, from other parts of Latin America, uh, less than 10% from Europe, and around 12% from the US. 
And when the interesting thing for me was when I was fundraising, I was very interested to connect more with um, European sources of capital. And I wasn't very successful at that. You know, I went to a uh, gender lens uh, conference in London and it was probably the most, uh, for, you know, disappointing experiences ever because, you know, it's a long way to go to London from Mexico City and, you know, it's tiring. <laughs> yeah, it is. Out. And actually no one was interested in talking to me about this, you know, this fun focus on women from uh, Latin America. Everyone was interested in Africa um, or uh, second, you know, Asia, um, Southeast Asia. So I thought that was very, very interesting that, uh, and I understand you know, the proximity um, between, you know, Europe and, and Africa. Uh, I, I, I thought that, you know, for you know, historical reasons, perhaps there'd be interested, interest from, uh, you know, investors in Spain, but not, I mean, I, or maybe I'm just really bad at fundraising, but I was not able to make those, you know, connections and, uh, you know, very interesting to see, you know, what people were interested, but I did not get, you know, a strong interest, uh, you know, for Latin America from, uh, people in, you know, in Europe. And what's the people you were talking in, 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 Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the people I was talking to, um, it was, you know, a, a conference focused on gender smart investing. So those people were specifically interested in investing, you know, along, you know, focused, uh, with gender. So, you know, potentially investing in, in, in women, um, and, you know, all kinds of investors, you know, from institutional investors, um, to, you know, individuals, um, but, you know, because the location was London um, and most of the people came from other parts of Europe, they were pretty much interested in other geographies outside of Latin America. And then in the U.S., you were about to say that in the U.S., did you have a different type of experience or? Hey, um, what I've seen in the U.S. is that there, you know, given the you know, tragic events surrounding um, George Floyd, that led to a lot more interest in investing in people of color in the United States. Uh, and it also led to uh, more interest in investing in other diverse fund managers in the US. And, you know, and that's really, really important because the amount of capital going to you know, diverse fund managers in the US is very, very low. Um, so when I was speaking to people, you know, about the potential of investing of, a, of an impact fund in, in Latin America, I would say that, you know, the attention was, was elsewhere. People wanted to solve problems close to home first rather than, you know, invest, uh, outside of, of, of the U S. So I just found that was the, and I can a hundred percent understand, you know, that, uh, that, uh, no. That focus, and um, I'm hoping, you know, going forward, I can find um, and connect with investors who have some kind of interest in Latin America. Now, we know that in the US, there's a large uh, Latin American diaspora, you know, so people who have a connection, um, you know, first, second, third generation um, who are interested in investing um, in Latin America. But also, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, from the you know the U.S. born and bred generations uh, 
who have a strong, strong connection with Mexico and Latin America too. Like, you know, we know that there are a lot of people with multi-million dollar houses in, in Los Cabos and, and, and San Miguel and other parts of Latin America. And today we would love to be able to tap into them as potential investors because, you know, they, they already have this connection yeah. um, with Mexico. And we've sound, found that to some extent. You know, I had one investor reach out to me. He said, oh, look, I've made money in real estate in Mexico. I've seen the situation of, of, of women in Mexico and I'd love to invest in your fund because I want to be you know, part of the change that you're building. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah. I think that, you know, so it's super interesting what we see. Absolutely, absolutely. Justin, anything, anything to add over there, like about your LP base? Um, is it also coming mainly from your home host countries or the the Indian focus area that you're going through, or is it mainly international capital or outside? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think I think Anne and I are a lot of census uh, exceptions in this in this role, uh, but uh, we also uh, raised um, about fifty percent of the capital uh, from. From local investors from the, the Andean region, uh, a lot from uh, them from from Ecuador, um, and there, uh, it's it's a very different fundraising experience um, where there's uh, a lot of education you know needed on how to invest in uh, what is impact investing and uh, you know and investing in funds and and things like that, and and that's part of kind of this ecosystem building uh, effort uh, that that funds like uh, like like Anna and, and, and ours. Are, are trying to do is build up this this LP base locally in Latin America. It's important effort, um, and we also have about forty five percent of our our investors are are women uh, as well, which is important to us um, to to have that diversity. Um, now that the, the the maybe speaking a little more generally, what you see in a lot of cases is a lot of the capital comes from uh, from the U.S. and your a lot of capital in Latin America and Latin American funds comes from the U.S. Uh, and, and Europe, um, and it doesn't necessarily have, have that diversity, but I think it's all part of the development ecosystem because over the last five years uh, or 10 years or really whatever period you look, there's more and more funds based in Latin America, investing in Latin America, um, whereas, whereas before there were a lot fewer funds in Latin America and the money that was coming in was coming in from elsewhere. Um, and that's true also on the LP side uh, where you uh, are having more and more uh, Latin American individuals, family offices, foundations, uh, and other institutions that are that are interested uh, in startups, interested in in impact investing, and so I think um, one of the 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 advantages of being a uh, you know first time fund manager as 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 Anne and I both both am is that it allows you to to connect you know with with those communities uh, that that might not necessarily uh, have the opportunity to invest in funds or or might not. Uh, might not be investing in funds otherwise and to help to build that ecosystem of LPs locally. Absolutely. Well, Justin, thank, Justin and Anna, thank you so much for sharing your views, your experiences uh, about impact investing in Latin America. I, I personally enjoyed it quite a bit and I, I think both to you as well. Thanks for participating today and I really, really am a big fan of your work, what you're trying to achieve here in Latin America. There's a lot of work to be done, but it's like you're you're paving the way for, for the new future. So thanks for, for participating. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for the invitation. Really appreciate it. Thank, thanks for having us. Really enjoyed it.